What's up, guys? In case you hadn't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them great. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now, and you can watch those or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Raise the tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May. And if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always talk about some fantasy football, but we also make sure to you know dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. If you joined us last week, special guest Nick Whalen and I drafted our favorite rookie targets in you know our rookie hype season uh, right now because you know we're about to head into some NFL training camps, about to see some fun videos of wide receivers burning some DBs and running backs juking some linebackers in space, and so finding the right targets amid all this rookie hype it, it can be tough sometimes. But this week, my special guest and I are going to be drafting our favorite rookie fades. Players we believe are being overvalued in both fantasy football and perhaps their potential early career real football impact as well, based on their talents and situation. So, to help me tackle this rookie fades topic, I'm joined by very special guest Ray Garvin, or at RayGQ, as many of you know him on Twitter. And he's from Fade the Noise. You also may have checked out his Destination Debbie stuff. He's just... Uh, a great guy, great great personality, fun guy to just talk some football with. So really can't wait to dive in that. Uh, <clears throat> dive in there. Thanks for joining me, Ray. Um, and really, I mentioned Fade the Noise. That's that's brand new, and I'm really excited about the whole crew there. And it just keep the team keeps growing. Uh, so you want to tell the listeners a bit more about this uh, new venture and and really what you're doing. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy, man. And uh, first of all, appreciate you, Travis, for having me on the show. Really enjoy your work, what you do, your analysis all throughout, man. It's it's just top notch stuff. Uh, so happy to be here. But yeah, I'm a part of Fade the Noise, FTN Fantasy, Elliot, Chris, Jeff Radcliffe, Brad Evans, and uh, I am doing video content for them. So one of my YouTube shows, the All Gas Show, I go over there and talk college football talk NFL, talk redraft, dynasty, all of that. Just a fun, fun show, man. What I, what I tell people is I like to be entertaining yet actionable. I want people to enjoy listening to me, but also get some useful information for their Debbie or fantasy ro- or dynasty roster. So uh, that's sort of what I'm doing, Travis. Again, man, I'm just I'm excited to talk to you, man. You, you, you know your stuff and this is going to be good. Yeah, hey, I love talking anything college football, fantasy football, NFL, you know me, and I really do appreciate some of the video work you've already done, and uh, just love talking prospects with you. You and I uh, both have a different process, different approach to this, and really last week, me and and Nick Whalen definitely have a different approach. I think you and him probably have more in common than uh, me and either of you, but (laughs) I love to just learn from you guys and and just get a different spin or like from a a film take in that point of view, uh, because I kind of do both. I really study film, but I really dive into the numbers and just nerd out in my spreadsheets too so um, it's good to just keep me grounded and, and uh, find find new things that, that are just found only in the film but before we dive into the rookie fades 
uh, for this year. I want to say just something about the FFP stat attack of the week. Last week, I mentioned there have been 123 rookies since 2014, uh, as I call it, the rookie renaissance, uh, when all that uh, all those beautiful wide receivers came into the league. 123 rookies to post at least 100 fantasy points, PPR fantasy points, or more in their first season. But every single year, there are busts and there are players, and, and there has to be some rookies that miss. And so, I mean, there's always going to be some that don't break out and reach that 100 PPR point threshold. In fact, since 2014, a, t- a time period where you know we've seen greater produ- rookie production than perhaps any other era that I can remember, there have still been 20 first-round picks that failed to see 100 PPR in their first year, 67 top 100 draft picks that have failed to hit 100 PPR in year one. Uh, and obviously, that's a lot to ask of, of rookies out of the gate. But, uh, I mean, that's that's a pretty good chunk of players. 87 players in like six, seven seasons that just have completely you know, not really been a huge player in the first year. So we want to help you find those players that are at least going to miss in the short term. So so what do you think about that? <laughs> that FFPC stat attack uh, to kick things off, Ray? First of all, outstanding stat. And what I think about it is I need to go adjust some of my expectations for some of these rookie wide receivers because it just, <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, and I think sometimes we as fantasy gamers, we get too excited about, you know, some of these players do have pro bowl, all pro caliber talent, Travis, but I think we just sometimes put the card in front of the horse uh, with, with our expectations for production in year one. And I just, I, that's probably not a bet that we should be willing to make more times than not. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's just a lot to ask of these rookies and really this year, maybe more than ever. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. And these players have, have not been around for OTAs. They've not been around for anything. Uh, and so we're, we're just now starting camps, and it's a smaller roster than usual. Everything is going to be different. I, I'd imagine every single process, how, like how much they're wearing masks, like how much film study they're doing versus actual on-field reps. I can't imagine how stressful that must be as a rookie, even if you have draft capital, to just come in and learn an entire NFL offense and then actually produce so uh, there are definitely some some players we're going to get to that i think are going to miss i guess at least early on uh and to to really look at these players uh we're going to be talking about their average draft position or adp where they're going in uh, ffpc actual dynasty startup drafts since the nfl draft and so to kick things off uh, and we're going to draft these players too kind of like we did last week going to draft them one by one as uh as the biggest fade based on their current <laughs> value in, in fantasy football so pick number one you're up ray oh man pick number one you put me on the spot travis you put me on the <laughs> spot and and i i know i'm gonna ruffle some feathers right here but for me right now the the biggest fade the biggest fade at the 101 I'm going to say Clyde edwards Lair. I'm going to say Clyde edwards Lair. I'm mixing it up. I'm coming out of the gates strong. Is is that okay, Travis? Can I do that? Oh, yeah. Can I do that? Can I do that? Yes. Firing firing hot takes right right off the top. Well, this is this is this is what this is what I'm going to say. Um, obviously, I could have gone in a, a, a lot of different directions, but this is not an indictment against Clyde Edwards-Helaire. This is not me saying that I believe he's a bad player, that I don't think he's going to be a fantastic pro. But we're talking about year one, and right now, you know, we're we're just talking about right now in this year going as running back eight off of the board in dynasty. That's 
that's that's banking <laughs> that's, on that's a, a tough lot. Ask. That's yeah. banking on a lot from a player who really only produced one year of elite college production. A player who, while on the field, looked outstanding. I mean, he isn't the most, the, the prototypical running back from a size standpoint or from an athletic profile. And then, Travis, I'm just going to, I say this every time I reference anybody from the 2019 LSU team, he did play on the most efficient, explosive offense in, like, understand when I say this, in college football history. The history. So Yeah, you, you aren't all, kidding. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> all, all, all of that combined, I just think that, you know, it, I, I get the draft capital. I understand it's the Kansas City Chiefs, but at RB8 and Dynasty, I won't have many shares of Clyde Edwards-Elair, and that's unfortunate because I like the player a lot. Yeah, it really is because he 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 could be so good. I mean, we've already been hyped. I mean, we've we've heard uh, Andy Reid say, you know, he's he's better than any you know basically anyone he's ever had at running back. So that's that's high praise from a longtime NFL coach. But the, the truth of the matter is, from a production standpoint, from a size standpoint, from a size speed standpoint, athleticism, whatever whatever you want to really say about his game, maybe from an agility standpoint, like he's he's elite. But I, when I watch Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, he doesn't necessarily flash to me like a Saquon Barkley or a Christian McCaffrey or uh, an Ezekiel Elliott when he came out and everyone was sure that he was just the no-brainer top overall pick in his class like that just wasn't that's just not where I am with him and really the situation is great but everyone before the NFL draft thought it was Jonathan Taylor not Clyde Edwards Hilaire in fact Clyde Edwards Hilaire for, for most people wasn't even a top five back until he landed with the Chiefs so for him to leapfrog all these other really good rookie backs all these other really good rookie wide receivers and go as a right now on ffpc like real dynasty drafts that in many cases playing some like within a short three-year window asking for production right away they're taking Clyde edwards hilaire at pick 11 like 11.2 average draft position some people are taking him higher to get his average there so that's if he's a first round startup pick that's just too much for me and and so i, I totally get selling and not buying at that price and completely fading off of CEH, even though we still might think he succeeds overall. Like I could see him being somebody in, in year one, maybe splitting some with Damian Williams early on and really having a crazy home run down the stretch and looking really good, or maybe even looking really good in the playoffs because the Chiefs are inevitably going to be there. Uh, but he could be a player that sees that that year two bump. That's the kind of player in fantasy football that I target uh, next year or I target halfway through this year going into the season I don't expect him to to absolutely explode and be this worth it RB1 selection over I mean like you're taking him over like really proven wide receiver ones in in round one and really proven even back in running back ones. so I I don't really get it so great pick in the first overall in the rookie fades draft my my second pick here is going to be another player that's been crazy hyped the first wide receiver off the board in, in the NFL draft this year. That is Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. Again, I liked Henry Ruggs. He was one of the most ridiculously efficient scoring machines. Like it, it was, albeit in lower volume, like even as a true freshman, I think he had like his first like five or six catches. 
he had four or five touchdowns. Like it was just insane yep. what he was able to do in in a limited sample size as a true freshman back when you know Calvin Ridley was still the ace for that wide receiver core, and he was still splitting with other true freshmen like Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. And uh, even last year with Devontae Smith coming on is really the team's wide receiver one over Jerry Judy yep. and Henry Ruggs. Ruggs still made his presence felt greatly uh, even though he didn't have the crazy you know 1300 1400 yard season that a few of these other early day two guys had at the wide receiver wide receiver position he's still that speed is just you can't teach speed and, and for that I, I get it I get why a team reaches for a player like that because there might not be a class a player in this class like rugs but truth be told analytically speaking he doesn't check any boxes Feel free to come back at me with some some fil- positive film takes on, on rugs, but he does a lot of simple things well. He he can, he can take a, a slant to the house. That's great. I appreciate that. But he's in almost the never hit range from a, an analytical standpoint because when you look at his adjusted production index, he's in like the thirty point five percentile. So he's like a half a percent away from being in the never hit type of range of player. Like when you look at his dominator rating, his yards per team pass attempt numbers, his touchdowns per team pa- pass attempt numbers, his true breakout age which never happened like there's just nothing really going for him in that regard uh so if he if he hits for fantasy football purposes he'll be a one of a kind almost like like almost nobody hit beyond like you know a flex level contributor and or a boom bust best ball type player and that's that's who i think he is he's going to be in the league for a long time he's just not going to be on many of my fantasy football rosters well, what do you think about that I think that your film guy over here agrees 1,000% with the analytical guy across the screen. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I I agree 1,000% because while I appreciate what he does on film, I also understand the importance of historical data that you just said. And on on his own team, he never hit... I'm pretty sure he was never over a 25% market share of the team's receptions or receiving yards. I don't even think he hit 20. Um, you know, and yeah. it, it, Devonta Smith was the number one last year, and Jerry Judy yeah. was the number two last year. And then Absolutely. you could, was it Henry Ruggs or Jalen Waddle? So even with on his own team, I've seen games where Henry Ruggs was not the first, second, third, fourth option. Najee Harris was catching the ball out of the backfield. And it's he is ultra talented, ultra athletic, uh, all of these things, but not hitting any of those analytical thresh points. I'm not hanging my hat on that. I don't care how good the film looks. And to be quite honest, Travis, the film looks... Like it should from a guy who runs a four two forty yard dash. I mean, he's pulling away from defenders. He's, I just, I think in real football, what he does offensively for a team, being able to stretch the field and open things up underneath for a Darren Waller, a Hunter Renfro, or catch those bomb plays here and there. It, it's it's invaluable at the NFL level. But for fantasy, I'm with you. I. And he's going what seventy six overall? I, I, yeah. I gotta take him. I gotta take him in the sixth round. <laughs> yeah. No. That's no. No, thank you. Pretty steep. I mean, and you're and really he's going like thirty third wide receiver off the board in dynasty startups right now. Uh, that's assuming that he's automatically what going to be like one of the best, almost like a top thirty wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, he's you're, you're going to come out of a draft with him as your your wide receiver three and feel great about it. Yeah. Like, I'm not. Like I, I'm going to want to stack. Stack other other players that are more sure in in that kind of range of fantasy football drafts. I mean, especially like I, I don't 
I don't understand outside of like a best ball league where you know you don't even have to submit a lineup and your best ball gets submitted uh, as your score. Like I don't even. I just don't. I don't trust him. Besides, maybe that. Like that's about it. Really, really this year, and even yeah. in, in his rookie contract, unless he proves me wrong in a big way, you know, something happens with other wide receivers on the team getting injured or something where he just gets peppered with targets. I don't see him being the volume play uh, for his offense now uh, or later. I could see him being a long-term producer like Ted Ginn and just kind of sticking around, like you know, right. and and being a contributor. But yep, feature wide receiver. Travis, he may he may not even be the best rookie wide receiver on his own team. Oh no. No, I I mean it, it's funny, like I mean, we can talk about that for a second, because Brian Edwards, like I, I love Brian Edwards. Yeah. I, I talked about him some last week. The dude was breaking out at age seventeen, uh, just yeah. killing it for South Carolina. Just an unbelievable talent who runs like we what he topped it at like twenty two miles per hour on the field. Yep. Like I mean we have yep. measured elite top end speed out of him. And then you got Lynn Bowden Jr. I mean, who's just a do-it-all monster? And, and I don't like Hunter Renfro very much from a <laughs> uh, fantasy football standpoint. But the dude, it, he's not going to just disappear, I don't think. Yeah, so, yeah. There's a lot of mediocre and interesting mouth-to-feeds, uh, mouth-to-feed <laughs> in town. Uh, so, yeah, it's not the not the best spot. But moving on to pick three, you surprised me with the, the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire pick. But who do you got now? Okay, maybe this would be a little more uh, a little more uh, status quo, but I'm going Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was uh, I'm glad he fell to me here uh, because I just I'm, I'm not buying it this early uh, for him. I, I'm not sure long term. And, and listen, I, I know Keyshawn Vaughn is out there in your part of the country, right, Travis? I know <laughs> I know he's out there, but I I just. I don't see him overtaking, and I know this might sound hot takey or disgusting, but I don't see him taking that job from Ronald Jones. I just, I don't foresee that happening. Ronald Jones was not horrible last year, okay? I think a lot of times we have this sort of bias from whatever narrative was spewed out early on, but, you know, people, Players get better. Uh, that's a Absolutely. logical progression that they get better with time. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you that Ronald Jones is the second coming of Nick Chubb, but I just, <laughs> I, I, I just don't think that he was that bad in the role that he was in last year to just assume that Keyshawn Vaughn is going to overtake him and to pay, what, ADP of 58, uh, 58 overall? That's yeah. Overall, it's just that's, that's insane. That's insane, and it's not irresponsible. Like, and he, well, <laughs> like, and yeah. yes, he got he got day two draft capital, but it wasn't like he was a first round pick. It wasn't no. like it. Listen, I just think that's a dangerous game to play from a backfield that none of us really know how it's going to play out. And I don't think one way or the other you can feel confident. I'm not confident saying that I believe Ronald Jones is going to win and kill that job, but I don't believe he's going to give it up. So uh, it's just a situation that I'm not willing to touch. And at that price, I'd just be very, very cautious right there. At the 27th RB, that's that's almost like you said. We just used that argument in the in the, with Rugs. He's almost a, a RB two. He's almost a top yeah, twenty four running back. That's that's pretty pricey to assume at, at a situation that's. I mean, it's going to be a committee like, like of some kind. Like Ronald Jones is not going completely away. And I think a lot of people, just from a real football standpoint, they they heard him, you know Ronald Jones had the yips in training camp as a rookie, and he was just he had fumbles. And really, I was at 
I, I, I chart Titans practices every single year. I was at some of the, the practices between the Bucks and the Titans uh, in the preseason uh, and just watching him. I, I watched him. I think I saw three fumbles in a day from Ronald Jones Ugh. when he was a rookie. And it was just like, man, like this isn't even the same guy. Like he's he's completely lost it. Something happened. And that that showed up that he wasn't ready yet. He was a really young rookie coming to the league. He was barely 21 years old when the season started. And they clearly he was not ready to make the leap. But last year they're like, "Hey, you've added some weight. You bulked up. You figured out the passing game. You picked picked up some some pass blocking." And he actually had 31 receptions last year. Like that's not that's not terrible. That, that that's like, you know, what prime Adrian Peterson would get, you know, that's, I'm not comparing him to the players, but it's not like a, he's a Christian McCaffrey, but he's, he's a, an adequate passer and he was efficient with it too. He had 10 yards per reception out of the backfield. So that's, that's really better than anything he ever did in college. So he's clearly learning. He's clearly progressing, getting better. And really he could have done way better had the game script last year been more friendly uh, to him. But he had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage last year, 1,033 yep. yards from scrimmage last year. Yep. So that's that's not a bad player. So he's not immediately going to be dethroned completely by a back-end, barely back-end the day, day two pick value. And a guy that is not an elite athlete, He's a good player. He's good at a lot of things. He he had a couple of big runs and a couple of big games. Uh, but I, I'm I'm a rational Vandy fan. Like I, my <laughs> wife works at Vandy, and we have we have season tickets, and it is horrible watching them just get pounded every single game. It's just like you know it's happening. You you just you can't you just want to close your eyes, but the other players are too good, so you don't. You want to see them play, <laughs> but. It's I just, love it, oh man. My I goodness. love it. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was a really, and really, he's already a super old rookie. In fact, he's like, I think he's older than Ronald Jones. Like, they're about the same age, and like, he yeah. came, came in two years later. <laughs> so, it just seems crazy that uh, some people think he's automatically going to be this running back one, or that he's even going to take the job at all. That may never happen. And if you took him in the fifth round of a dynasty startup and he never <laughs> wins the job, that, That's crazy. that takes some time to fix. Like you, you will not be competing <laughs> like this year or next year. Like it's it's gonna take some some fixing. So I, I don't I don't get that value. I don't get that level of investment yeah. in a running back. Uh, but is there anything else to say about Vaughn before we move on to my pick? I, I think you hit the nail on the head to invest in that in the in the fifth round of startups. It's just no. for, yeah. for, for, like you said, Travis, <laughs> for a player that truly he may never start in Tampa Bay and, and it will take you a while to fix that. So you hit the nail on the head. He may, he may, may work out. I, Vaughn carried it a couple seasons at Vandy on a bad offense. That's cool. Uh, but he just doesn't do any one thing elite uh, that I feel like would set him apart from Ronald Jones right away. So that's the concern. But my fourth pick here, or my second pick, fourth pick overall in the rookie fades draft, I'm actually going with Zach Moss out of Utah. Uh, and really, Zach Moss was a guy who was immensely productive for three seasons, really. When you look back at his resume at Utah, uh, and Utah, yes, the Pac-12 defenses are not great, and so he might have had an easier path to production than even a Keyshawn Vaughn would have had. But Zach Moss did some good things, but realistically, he profiles as a pretty unathletic backup. You know, he's like a, you know, maybe if we're generous, like a bad four six five kind of straight line speed. Like he's got great yeah. contact balance just when you watch him play, and he plays with just this ferocity, this ferocity rather that 
he is gonna he he wants to make you he wants to tackle you he's the running back he's gonna tackle you at the second level of the defense so he's a lot of fun to watch but again there's not any one thing about his game that just stands out as this amazing elite playmaker I do like that he had final season mark like receiving yard market share of 14 percent and he did average like over 100 yards per game career that that's a good mix uh, we at rotoviz love that mix and we we really dove into production metrics for running backs this past year and and there aren't many strong signals that you get from uh, production metrics with running backs besides rushing yard mar- market share and things but when you mix the the threshold of 100 career yards from scrimmage per game and like final season like 10 percent or more of the team's receiving yards like that has some signal and and translating to future nfl success and that's probably the best case you have for zach moss because i don't think he's any better at all than devin singletary in terms of scoring singletary is just kind of a slightly smaller version of moss he runs angry uh, but i think he's more versatile than um, uh, Zach Moss and really Josh Allen he's not going to stop rushing and taking some of the touchdowns and taking some of those run, rushing yards away from the committee backfield that is inevitable yet Zach Moss is going inside the top 12 rookie picks this year he's still a back end first round pick which I don't get and he's going around 90th in startup drafts which again like that seventh or eighth round in many cases pretty significant investment in a rookie that is going to be locked in as a committee back there's there's virtually no chance at all again that he's going to be this feature at all uh there's just especially in in a day and age where melvin gordon and other guys are dropping way lower than they should in, in dynasty drafts and that like even david johnson's going like below him uh who and he was a running back one for the five six games so he was healthy last year there's just other options even at the same position but this round and this part of dynasty startup drafts I, i'm looking for much better uh, proven wide receiver options in many cases and not not like a risky committee back you know yeah I, I do know and if if I were going to take a risky committee back in the seventh or eighth round I'd rather a Tony Pollard I'd rather an Alexander Madison if they're going that late I'd, I'd rather one of those players that I've actually seen produce that could have a role maybe in a flex flex appeal uh, opposed to Zach Moss and I think Zach Moss is a fine running back. I think he was very good in college uh, for him to to produce the way he did at Utah. And like you said, it wasn't just on the ground. It was through the air as well. I, I think that's fantastic. He does run with that, that ferociousness. And he's a, a, a tackle-breaking machine. But that, if if that's your skill set, you know, like my 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 superpower, my, the thing that I do well <laughs> is break tackles. Like I broke I broke tackles in the Mountain West. Uh, I mean, it's just or the Pac-12, <laughs> whatever Utah's in Which, now. But uh, yeah, yeah Mountain it, West it, plus that like for it, the defense, it's barely barely a step up defense wise. Yeah. <laughs> so I just my my thing is it's. He reminds me, Travis, of a Jamal Williams type player. He's one of those guys where, like, I think if you were in a pinch, right? There have been times we've thrown Jamal Williams in there and he finishes a high-end RB2, a low-end RB1. Yep, great. You get get one or two of those (laughs) a season, but you would not feel good week in, week out starting Jamal Williams. It just, that's, that's the type of player that I believe Zach Moss is. And then he's not going to just overtake Devin Singletary. It's it's just 
it's not going to happen. And like, and then you've got Josh Allen. Now, granted, he may not rush for another eight or nine touchdowns. There may be some regression <laughs> there, but yeah. he's still going. He's still going to to command a, some goal line carries throughout the season. So, again, that. <sighs> Golly, it just it blows my mind that that he's going that high in in drafts. It just I, it makes me think. Well, what am I missing? <laughs> you know, yeah. like what what the heck uh, do I not see? But I just it, 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 I'm I'm with you. I agree with this one as well. Yeah, but even in like I'd rather take a bunch of safer veterans. But really, when I was thinking about, thinking about Zach Moss, like even pre draft, I was like, man, there are so many good wide receivers this year. Like I like so many of these players. Like I like even like the Michael Pittmans and the, even like maybe the Brian Edwards and Denzel Mims and you know that whole tier of guys that are going after Zach Moss and in, in drafts and yeah, you know they've they've got in many cases better draft capital in many cases situations where they could succeed right away even as a wide receiver so I don't know I just I just don't get it necessarily as, as him being a first a late first round rookie pick and if you're listening and you don't even play dynasty and maybe you're more of a redraft <laughs> person maybe you're, you don't even necessarily play a, a football like like Ray and I do uh, we we just can't get enough of it like Zach Moss I think he's gonna be a player that is on an NFL roster through his rookie contract I think he's gonna yep. have some success you know he's not he's not gonna be you know a complete bust or anything like that he might even get a second deal where you know he has that uh, sell high window because he has another opportunity to revive his career somewhere else but I just don't see him um I I, I am worried about him in a in just the long term because of that ferocity that he does have. He hasn't been injured really before in many ways outside of a brief window, his junior season. But man, if you're, if you're doing that and you're expecting to, to shed tackles in the NFL like you were in the Pac-12, not going to happen. So a little concerned there with the longevity, even at the running back position, which is fragile and doesn't last past really the prime doesn't last past 26, 27. Anyway, I'm, I'm just investing elsewhere, but, but before we kind of like go down the back half of the draft, um, you mentioned a couple other players as rookie fades and, and I didn't want to spend a ton of time on them because we actually talked about them last week as being rookie targets of ours. That's Antonio Gibson. Uh, was one of my targets and Tua Tungvaloa was a target of Nick Whalen. Uh, but I'm curious, why would you be fading either of those players? Well, and Antonio Gibson, my my the issue or the I like the player, I like the player, I like what I've heard from Ron Rivera about trying to find that his we're not comping Antonio Gibson to Christian McCaffrey. I'm just saying that <laughs> that role of a player, uh, but it's just about it's about cost for me, and it's it, that's that's what it is. We always say the you know don't dislike players, just dislike ADP. And coming off the board is RB 37. I've just been in quite a few drafts where there's some players. I, I know it's late and I know it's gross, but I think there are a couple of players that I'd prefer to have over Antonio Gibson. I don't know what he's going to be, Travis. You know, I, I watched a lot <laughs> yeah. of Memphis tape because uh, I, I like to see that uh, that young rising player, Kenneth Gainwell. And I watched Gibson and he was good out of the backfield because he's six foot, 230 pounds and runs a four, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. A four, three, four yard dash. But but I just I don't I want to see how that plays out in Washington. If Darius Geis yeah. is healthy, I mean he's pro, he's the primary back. They brought Adrian Peterson back. You know they have Bryce Love. We still the jury is still out on that. I just I don't know That's how true. he's going to be utilizing that offense. And then with Tua, 
I love Tua. You can go up and down my Twitter timeline. I <laughs> love Tua. He was my quarterback one in the 2020 class, even over Joe Burrow. Yeah, but, and I like that. I like that. Even even I stuck with it. But to take him as I believe quarterback ten, I believe he's coming off quarterback ten. Oh man, I mean ahead of that's 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 risky. That's risky yeah, because no, I don't I've, I don't I don't think anybody knows with definitive certainty or close there to how he's going to respond, how his body's gonna how his hip in particular is gonna to respond to NFL pressure. Nobody really knows. And even outside of that, I love Tua. Tua's had more work done on his ankle than I can even remember. I mean tightrope surgeries here and there. Uh, he he is such an accurate anticipatory thrower of the football, but sometimes his pocket awareness to me doesn't seem to be there. I'm just I'm just saying. As much as I love him, I, I understand I have concerns, and there are a couple of players that are young, rising second year players that are young third year players that I would take over to as quarterback ten in dynasty. Yeah, and, and in many cases, like like we already talked about with rookies, it's all about just the the new shiny thing, and we we think all these players are going to come in and do great. And I think, I mean, when when you look at Tua's adjusted passing profile, it is just as good as Joe Joe Burrow's, if not better, uh, last season. So there's a lot to be excited about. But QB ten uh, in dynasty leagues is pretty pretty hefty price because I mean you're you're missing out on guys that we've just kind of, oh, that's old news. Like, oh, I know Matthew Stafford's been like a QB1 like five or six out of the years, last eight <laughs> years, whatever. You know, or, you know uh, Kirk Cousins, ah, Matty Ice, yeah. And so all these players that are, you know, you'd have to take two over these guys, um, and they are just way safer. I get the the reasoning behind the fade. I just I'm so high on two. Like, like I love him. Back to I love him too, man. Year, man. It's 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 crazy. Definitely love love to watch his game. I hope he just blows up. So do I. So do I. But yeah, before we go in the back half, quick word from our our sponsor, Bet Online. Sports are coming back, which I'm super excited about. I'm sure you are too, Ray. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or you can check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Hello folks, Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools and sets you up perfect for the NFL season. All you have to do is add the code 2020RBRadio at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. 
All right, so coming down the stretch, to, to recap first half of this draft, we got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and this is the rookie phase draft. Again, we like these players, some of these players, but we're just we'll be giving their price. It's a little kind of crazy, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was your first pick, Ray. Henry Ruggs was my, my first pick, and then you went to Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, and I went to Zach Moss out of Utah. Kicking it off back half here, pick five. Who's your pick here, Ray? Well, since I just talked about Tua being a fade, then I've, I've got to just stick with the quarterback position, and I'm going to go Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, newest quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, I, I mean, it's the same thing I said with Clyde edwards I, and I And I, you guys, I, I love college football. If I had to pick between NFL or college, that's all I get to watch for the rest of my life. It's going to be collegiate football. Love it. Yeah. The greatest offense in in the history, Tim Tebow, Danny Warfel, Eric Crouch, Tommy Frazier, those like the greatest offense ever. And if you watch Joe Burrow in 2018, towards the end of the season, he did. There was like, okay, he could be all right. He could be all right. And then 2019, it went from players take progressions, their steps, right? Joe Burrow didn't take a step. He put on a <laughs> rocket booster and yeah. just elevated his game. And for for as much as us, Travis, yourself, me, Curtis, a bunch of people who pay attention to this stuff, there were very few people in the community. Very few. If 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 they weren't LSU homers or uh, or or Miss Cleo, nobody was touting Joe Burrow <laughs> as the number one pick. And what he was able to do with Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator, QB eight, QB eight, before yeah. he's even he hadn't even taken a practice snap yet. That. <laughs> Yeah. One year. One year of, of, of production. Now, that production was 60 touchdowns. I mean, the production was... I don't even think metrics can track the production, right? It was just ridiculous. No, but yeah. but one Absolute season. <laughs> one season, and we're taking him as the eighth quarterback in Dynasty. I guess I'm just not I'm not a risk taker enough because I can't do it. I cannot do it. So if I if I talked about Tua being a little overpriced at, at quarterback ten, then I, I've got to bring Joe Burrow up. And I love Joe Burrow. I think he's extremely accurate, a good anticipatory thrower of the ball. He's got more mobility than a lot of people give him credit for. The the kid can run with the ball. Uh I just I, I can't do it at, at quarterback eight. No, and I do want to kind of speak to his uh, his metrics overall, just because yeah, six, when you think about sixty touchdowns, it's just like yeah, sign me up, go crazy. It's just it's just nuts. But is it is funny though because coming into the year last year, it's like oh Joe Burrow, like you said, he might be a dude, he might he might have something because you know to end previous season twenty eighteen, I think he put together four or five games together. It's like oh okay, he might be draftable. That's cool. Like you know he might be a, a day three type guy. And I went to, sadly, I went to the LSU Vandy game last fall. <laughs> and I remember just actually talking to some LSU fans because that's all that were there. And just talking to these guys about what they thought about Joe Burrow. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, he's on fire. It's just like nobody can stop him. It's awesome. And I just asked him, like, so do you think he's, you know, you think he's going to, like, you think he's on fire, but is he going to be like the number one overall pick? And they're like, no, no, no. He, he's there's no way that's no. He he's come on strong. That's great, <laughs> but you know he might be a late first round pick. And this is LSU fans, like LSU fans that like paid for 
tickets on the 50, you know, like, like, like really passionate fans. And, and even they were, you know, had realistic expectations. I remember talking about this, this like, man, you know what? His numbers are so crazy. I was talking to a few people that really love some nerdy super flex leagues. And uh, I was like, you know what? Joe, Joe Burrow is going to be in the conversation when it's all said and done. He's going to be in the conversation for first pick overall. And this was right before to his injury. And then as soon as that happened, I was like, you know what? That's going to happen. Yep. He's going to be the first overall yep. pick in the draft, and he's going to be the quarterback. But when you put his career numbers next to Tua, uh, Tua's still more impressive. Like completion percentage career, that is. Uh, Tua has him by about a half point. Tua's was like 69.3. Joe Burrow's was 68.8-ish. And then their adjusted yards per pass attempt, Tua actually has him by over two yards. Uh, Tua's career was 12.7 adjusted yards per attempt, which, by the way, is like top three in the last 20 years, like in, in the history of college football, like top two, really good. And then Joe Burrow is still very good. Anything over nine typically is a really good college quarterback. That's typically going to net you like a top 10 season any given year. But he actually averaged, I think it was uh, 10.5. So really anything over 10, close to 11, that's like, okay, that guy's probably going to be a first round pick unless he's just in some weird air raid offense. You know, it's that kind of situation. And then when you look at his t- touchdown percentage, eight percent of his passes and joe burrow that is went for touchdowns in his career like that's nuts it's those are crazy numbers but then when you look at to his career almost 13 percent of to his to his pass attempts went for touchdowns like again check 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 to a hazard across the board overall like when you look at their peak numbers last year joe burrow has the edge but man to a Two is interesting. Uh, they're they're both interesting, but it's, at the same time, automatically slotting him in them in as a quarterback one in the NFL is tough, especially when you've got a bunch of young guys like Deshaun, Kyler, and Mahomes. You know, we and it's funny because we're we're always looking for the next guy, but because there's been so many of these top quarterbacks here recently, they're not going to pass any of them. Like they're not going to pass Deshaun, Kyler, Mahomes, Lamar. They're not passing any of them. Uh, in the first couple of years, you got you stack, yeah, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> where, how are they going to go up from Q, QB eight and QB ten? Because if, if yeah. you're drafting them there, like, there's no room for them to to go up. I don't think, at least in year one, and really, not, maybe not even year two. There's just been a whole lot of top tier elite hits, uh, and we're looking for the next guy. Uh, I hope it's both of these guys, because man, at the NFL has more than a half dozen just elite guys that can replace, you know, the, the elite guys we've gotten used to, like the Tom Brady's, the, yeah. the Philip Rivers, the, um, you know, even Ben Roethlisberger for the four games he's healthy. And before that, <laughs> Peyton and Peyton Manning, you know, we, we got used to these guys, Drew Brees, we got used to these guys. And so we need this next tier of guys, but it's it's just a bit too steep. So I, I feel you there. Uh, going down the draft board a little bit here from my pick, though, I'm going to go with a guy uh, Anthony McFarland out of Maryland. Uh, now that's what are you talking about, Travis? He was he was a day three pick. That's my point. Like <laughs> so with with rookie drafts and and startup dynasty drafts where people are, are picking Anthony McFarland, who's on the Steelers. Uh, he's going around pick 123 right now, running back 47. So he's like a running back four for you. Uh, you know, maybe not a guy you start every week year one. But what's funny is Anthony McFarland is a day three back. Like that's we like draft capital. We like seeing guys that are day one, day two picks uh, that that really lends to an immediate role in many cases, at least in a, you know a committee look. But he's a 
not even really the backup to James Conner, uh, who if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a feature. It's Benny Snell. Benny Snell is probably going to be the backup. I mean, if you ask any Steelers fan like who the backup is, they're not even going to they're not even going to hint that it's Anthony McFarland. It's going to be Benny Snell. So an RB three on a team that uh, he's a small back that has virtually no resume of catching passes. He's fast, which that's cool, but there's just not very. It's just. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, there's not a whole lot to, to get excited about. So uh, wh- where are you at with Anthony McFarland? Yeah, he's he. I-, I talked about him on a show a couple of months ago as a late-round flyer with upside if quite a few things break in his favor, right? James Conner has to be out, and Benny Snell would have to be out because Benny Snell is the RB2, and I don't know why people are even – I really don't know why it's a conversation point. Benny Snell is the running back, too, on that team. Uh, does that – Anthony McFarland is going to get work. He's going to get some touches. He's an, he's an explosive, fast player. But he's not leading the backfield in carries, man. Y'all are crazy. No. Like, yeah. he's, it's, it's not happening. And if anything, what, what you should do, if you're an Anthony McFarland owner – if he gets in the game, busts some long runs, gets extended looks at the end of the game, or for some reason Connor's out for a week because of an ankle and McFarlane gets to start and does well, you better trade him ASAP. Get as much value, extract as much value as you possibly can because Anthony McFarlane, he's, he's got a good skill set. He is fast. He is explosive. But he's not a feature back. It's it's Benny Snell as the RB2, and there's no way. And I guarantee you, without even having Snell's ADP, I bet you it's lower, or I mean higher, than Anthony McFarlane. I bet I bet he's drafted later yeah. than Anthony McFarlane. So, absolutely. That's absolutely why, why, accurate. <laughs> why, why am I paying for the RB3 when I can get the RB2 for cheaper? Yeah, and there's tons of like proven satellite backs that uh, have roles even without something happening that are going in the same range. Like even older guys like James White are going like a full like round later in many cases. So it's like, why would you reach for a day three back like that? It just doesn't make sense. But I, I don't want to overwhelm the show with Anthony McFarland, especially since <laughs> we're not very high on him. So let's let's pivot to another guy that's probably going to be a surprise to some people that are any NFL draft fans that are Alabama fans. Uh, and w- trust me, I-, I root for Auburn, but we're not hating on Alabama just because. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, who's your pick here uh, with the seventh pick in the rookie fades draft? Yeah, and people are going to at me on Twitter, but it's Jerry Judy. Yeah. Jerry Judy <laughs> is is the fade, and I do like Jerry Judy. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver. I think he's going to be a very good wide receiver in the NFL. Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. And I'm just saying, uh, people are drafting Judy like he's stepping into the wide receiver one role. I don't foresee that happening. I mean, we were, weren't we just talking about how dominant and how good Cortland Sutton was? And he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver this year, top 12 wide receiver. It was his coming out party last year. Drew Locke is going to make this step forward. And now they draft Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton's ADP takes a dip and Jerry Judy sitting there as wide receiver 20. What? Well, I, I believe yeah. without having the numbers <laughs> in front of me, Denver is not a high volume pass offense. They Drew Locke, Drew, <laughs> Drew Lock is still an unproven talent as much as we, a lot of people want him to be the next. He's talented, but he's still unproven. 
they just signed Melvin Gordon. He's going to run the ball. Phillip Lindsay's going to carry the ball out of the backfield. And again, Noah Fant is a monster waiting to erupt at the tight end position. I just, at RB, at wide receiver 20, I, I can't pay it. I can't pay it. I cannot pay it. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I totally feel it there because, I mean, Corlin Sutton's not going away. Like, he's got a <laughs> legit proven role in that offense. Not to mention, Noah Fant actually had a, a pretty underrated year uh, after a kind of a slower start uh, at the tight end position. So he's going to see some volume. And then they, they followed up after picking Judy with adding KJ Hamler day two. It's like, he's not going away either. He was just the alpha for Penn state. I mean, and the dude can return kicks. He, he's an excellent slot option that can make you miss in space. KJ Hamler is a legit option too. So it's like they said, like we love Judy, but we also let him, we, these are, we want these guys to be our three starters. But that also means they might not all get very high market share. Like so, if anything, this probably hurts Cortland Sutton's value a little bit. Um, and we could talk about him and his value kind of being depressed with Judy. But with Drew Locke, uh, I mean, I, I've seen him play live, and uh, he he learns really quick. I was really impressed about how he, how quickly he learned brand new offenses in college for Mizzou. Uh, he was put in situations. In fact, he wanted to be when new uh, new OC came in in his final year at Mizzou. He was like, hey, challenge me. I want to prove that I can make checks at the line and do all these things. And that's cool, but I'm not sure you can make all the throws like a lot of these other young studs that we're so pumped about. So if you're taking a Jerry Judy like as a late fourth round pick or an early fifth round pick in Dynasty Startups, that's you're asking of a, a, a lot. Uh, from from him right away albeit you know many years uh, a player like judy who's a first round pick goes even higher than this but also they're typically in many cases in a role where they're going to see higher market share like automatically and i I just am not sure and so that's why i'm there with you at least in the short term questioning judy but that i mean that's often why we take running backs in rookie drafts and running backs as rookies and then trading for those wide receivers later on so i i completely agree i think long term jerry judy is going to pan out he is going to be a long-term contributor, if not like a top-tier wide receiver one, at least a contributing kind of flex option for fantasy football purposes. And at the very least, he's going to be somebody who's like that wide receiver two or three on his team for the next, you know, eight years, perhaps. You know, he's that good. He's a really incredible route runner. Uh, He basically breaks his knees every time he does a juke. I don't (laughs) know how it even works physics-wise, but yeah, I totally get it. Travis, see, what I think is going to end up happening, and and it probably will, is... Cortland Sutton, he hasn't signed a new deal yet. I mean, they drafted Jerry Judy in the first round. There's a very real possibility that Cortland Sutton's on a new team, which wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing for him because he would probably, whatever team traded for him or he signed with, he walks into that alpha market share role. So long term, it can probably, it will pan out for both of those guys. But you said, like what you just said, I hope people rewind it and listen to that because that's the way you dine. You draft your running backs, and then you trade for those wide receivers later. You don't have to draft Jerry Judy at the 105. I've seen it happen. 104, Jerry yeah. Judy. 105, and you're passing up a Dobbins, an Acres, a Swift. You don't you don't pass those those stud running backs up early in Dynasty, man. No, exactly. And we really like Judy. It's just about the, the cost and, and, and acquiring that kind of player and really just understanding that rookie expectations – Typically, even in, like when a rookie hits for wide receivers, it takes them to halfway through the season. So there's going to be other times when you can buy him very soon. 
But another guy that I think that's going to be the case for, and this is the last pick in the rookie phase draft, this is LaVisca Chenault uh, out of Colorado, now on the Jacksonville Jaguars, another day two wide receiver. Uh, was a, a lot of fun. Not not so much last fall, but the fall before. Like only played nine games, but still had like a thousand yards. Was like a wild wildcat quarterback <laughs> slash running back. Was a huge alpha wide receiver. He would take screens. He would you know be in motion, take like little jet sweep stuff. He would do everything that you would imagine a wide receiver to do. And and he's got that alpha wide receiver size that can just punch you in the face uh, playing outside X. So. I wonder what he'll he'll play exactly for the Jaguars because DJ Chark is their guy. He's the target. Last year he had 118 targets and he missed a game. Like and, and really, D.D. Westbrook even surprisingly saw 100 targets. Leonard Fournette, for goodness sakes, I mean that the running back saw 100 targets. Obviously, they needed some better wide receiver play, but Chris Conley saw 90 targets. Like there's a bunch of proven-ish options here, and so I'm not sure that Lavisca Chenault is going to come in and immediately be this volume play. I think he's going to be a fun player that that they have packages for, um, and and maybe. He has a couple games where he breaks one big because he can make you miss, even given his size, and he can trample you if you're a smaller DB for a wide receiver. But man, I, I don't know where the volume is in this offense for him. Like even if he eats up like half of Westbrook's targets and like a third of Fournette's targets, you're still looking at like a guy who's gonna cap cap as like a wide receiver three, four ish type season in, in season one, unless there's something crazy ha- that happens. So he was a fun college playmaker, fun chess piece, but I'm, I wonder if that's that's all he is in the pros. Like, I wonder if he's a, well, we just talked about him last week, but, but a Cordero Patterson, like just a, a weapon, but not necessarily somebody you want to trust as your ex. Yeah, he's a weapon. He is a weapon, and he was used uh, all over the field at Colorado, but because of that, he sort of, I mean, he and Lynn Bowden, they, they played, while they played different positions, they still will face the same challenges. LaVisca is not a consistent route runner. He's not a consistent separator. He, he, he does not, he lacks at this point in time the nuance and some of the, some of the technical things uh, to be an effective wide receiver play in and play out. Will he be able to catch a crossing route uh, and turn up field and turn into the human tank that he is? Absolutely. Will he be able to be used in these kind of gadget gadget plays, jet sweeps, you know, things of that nature, quick slants? Sure, sure, sure. But what LaVisca Chenault isn't going to do is change the way that he plays. And he's a physical player. He is, I, I kept saying it throughout the draft season. He's like a tank when he gets the ball in his hands. But because of that, LaVisca Chenault, I I said it over and over again, one of the most talented receivers in the class from a talent standpoint when he's on the field. It seemed like every play he got hit, he was limping off the field, jogging to the sideline, missing two weeks, foot injury, shoulder injury, goes to the combine, and what's he do just right on cue? He gets hurt. Whether he was hurt coming in or hurt during the run, I'm not trusting it. You, you, if you draft LaVisca Chenault at this cost, I don't want to see you complain about him being out of a game and out of your lineup. Don't complain because you know the type of player that you're getting. LaVisca's not playing full 16s, uh, and I'm not wishing yeah. bad, bad health on anybody, but the proof is, is, the proof is there. Yeah. 
Yeah, he never played more than 11 games in college, so he almost had a full season under his belt. But even in that full season, he actually struggled to be the most productive wide receiver on his team. Like like with, with other wide receivers on his team, it's not like with Henry Ruggs, who's competing against other first-round talents. Like LaVisca Chanel is, I mean, he's comp- competing against guys like Tony Brown and Katie Nixon and Dimitri Stanley. Like these yeah. guys are not, they're not world breakers. Like Tony Brown just came out and went completely undrafted. I'm not even sure if he's on a team right now. Uh, yeah. And he was struggling to outproduce that guy last year. Like he barely, barely beat him out in yards. Tony, Tony actually had one more t- touchdown than Chenault did last year through the air. Uh, Katie Nixon was a fun deep threat for college standards, but again, he would be targeted <laughs> more so than Chenault through the air sometimes. So there might be a reason for that. So and I'm a little like bit five, concerned. He, and Nixon's like 5'7". I mean, he's yeah. not even, he's yeah. literally, literally, he's like 5'7". He's a little tiny dude. He's a tiny yeah. dude. Yeah. So it's just strange that a player that uh, has flashed to be, you know, so great, yet st- can't stay healthy and can't beat out undrafted free agent type talent for volume work. I don't think he's going to c- come in and immediately be this this alpha wide receiver over a, a proven DJ Chark and even role players like D.D. Westbrook and really – He's going to get some short-range touchdowns and, and uh, not touchdowns uh, receptions taken away from by Leonard Fournette because they they love to go to the back last year. I don't think that's going to change, especially with Minshew at the helm. He, he loved to get it uh, to Fournette. So um, I, I'm interested to see what the Jaguars' offense looks like this year. I just don't think Chenault's going to be a huge, huge part volume-wise uh, from that standpoint. So that wraps it up. Back half of the draft here. We had Joe Burrow, Anthony McFarland, Jerry Judy, and LaVisca Chenault. Very good players in many cases. Not so much with McFarland, but <laughs> definitely some guys were, were were at least fading given their, their value. So I, I think we need to expect uh, a kind of a disappointing start for these rookies. Not even just these players, but some of the targets we were talking about last week. We just need to understand this, this year is weird. I think we all know that at this point, but uh, we just need to have even lower expectations for the first maybe eight weeks or so uh, if we get that far hopefully we do but uh just to wrap things up ray uh i do want you to plug anything that you've been doing besides you know fade, fade the noise are you excited about anything in particular that uh fade the noise and the whole crew there is doing i mean it's just a lot of a lot of cool stuff especially if you participate in sports gambling so whether that's making your parlay picks or DFS. They've got a, a, a lot of really cool tools over there to kind of help you navigate that process. I think some of that stuff is fun. And other than that, Travis, I'm just I'm just here hoping we have a season. I'm here hoping I get oh, yeah. to talk a little talk a little Devi. Uh, as you said, Destination Devi, that's my baby. So uh, check that out. <laughs> I just I just didn't I just enjoy this. I enjoy talking football, talking shop and it's uh, I'm just hoping we get a chance to do that this year. Absolutely. Well, you can find Ray. That's Ray Garvin at Ray. That's R-A-Y, the letter G, the letter Q-U-E on Twitter. Ray GQ. I think that's how you pronounce it yes, sir. <laughs> uh, on, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, again, with Fade the Noise, be looking for some good things from him. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. If you want to talk some more college football, NFL, anything like that, I'm always down to help out in all your fantasy football leagues or just chat about some 
some football here soon. But uh, again, thanks so much for the support. We're only five episodes in. I, I continue to be blown away uh, with the download numbers, uh, the, the listens, and really just the feedback I'm getting. People, just great people, nice people reaching out, saying good things about the show so far. So uh, again, please do leave a rate and review. That helps a ton. And if you have a question, drop it in the, the review. I, I want to talk about what you guys want to talk about. So please do that. I look forward to you joining me soon for many more episodes of the College to Canton podcast.